Miracy. Yeah, I think it's Wayne Dyer who said that it's never crowded along the extra mile. And, you know, that's really, I think, instructive here. I mean, this is an incredibly saturated and crowded niche where there's a ton of free information and cheap information. And yet, Megan is thriving with a very premium program. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or their business model behind it, or both. Our guest today is Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Megan, we're thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here speaking with you guys. Awesome. Well, let's start at just kind of the backstory. Tell us who you are, how you came to be doing what you're doing, what was the path to the work you do in general, but then online courses in particular. Just catch us up. I started teaching cooking classes, which was my entry into my work as a nutritionist. But that followed three years working in advertising in the interactive department of ad agencies. So I had an understanding of the online world and the internet and what it was capable of from a business perspective, but I was pretty committed to doing a tactile in-person experience for people. And so I started teaching these cooking classes in person and it was amazing, but then the demand grew beyond what I could physically show up for on a daily basis, but also to my little 600 square foot kitchen in downtown Toronto. And that was what the catalyst was for me experimenting with videoing courses and offering them online just as video-based standalone classes was the the first entry into this. Awesome. So tell us about the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Tell us what that is. What does it include to the extent that you're comfortable sharing business model dynamics, like what you charge and all that kind of stuff? I will share everything. So we, I started, and I always say we, but it was just me for most of, most of the first five to eight years. But I was doing these single standalone courses that I was offering under my own brand. And by around 2013 was when I compiled enough online content that I kind of stuck it together and called it the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. So I ran it for the first time in the fall of 2013 with 100 students from around the world, which blew my mind because up until that point, I'd been able to fit six, maybe 12 people into my space in Toronto. And seeing what they were creating in the community that was forming amongst these 100 people was what inspired me to create something bigger than that that could kind of house this program. And so by the spring of 2014, six months later, we launched the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. It was me and my assistant. And then as we could afford to, self-funding the production of kind of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program 2.0, which was a cohesive package of learning experiences. It was a group of modules with written assignments. We had program coaches. And the model was that we'd run the program once a year and everyone would start and finish together. So like you would regular school if you had to show up to a classroom. So we start mid-September, we end mid-December, and that was how we launched it back in 2013. And we've kept that model going until now. And so the way we operate it is that we run the program from September to December. And then in mid-spring, we launch registration for the following year to best suit the goals of our students coming in. And we've maintained that model since. And there's been variations of it. But 
one of the primary goals in what I was creating was really to impart the information, which I think all course creators want to do. But I wanted to have the same number enter our virtual doors, begin the program, who finished it. And so my whole premise and the structure of how we offer the school is that there's an accountability component so that students stay up on the course content, do the work, and successfully learn and complete the program, and then can use what they learn in their own personal lives or start new businesses of their own. Beautiful. So I have a whole bunch of questions, but I didn't catch what's the price of the program, or is it a different price for the different levels? There's a different price for the different levels. So the basic, what we call the honorary level, which is really auditing the course. So you don't have the same accountability. You don't have a program coach. There's not the same level of engagement. That program level is around 2200 And then our top level includes a business training component, as well as the option for our graduates to become instructors from the school. And at that level, we sell it just under $6,000. So how does the accountability work? How it works and what I think is a key to our success. I mean, people love certificates, but what I always say is that you're not buying a certificate. You're buying the education, the certificate, and the certification has to be earned. And so we have a very clear outline of the assignments that are required. There's roughly one due a week. And because it's a cooking school, we have a cooking assignment where they have to send me food samples. Just kidding. I wish they did. I wish the homework was they had to send me cookies in the mail. They take pictures of their work and submit it to their coach. And then there's a written assignment due each week where, where our students can deep dive into a condition or health goal or health challenge of their choosing and build their learning around that health goal or that health condition. So our assignments are all very, very practice and practical. And they're handing it into their coach. Their coach gives them feedback. If they don't pass it, they have the opportunity to resubmit it. We also pair each of our students up with a buddy in the program, optimally someone in their city or at least their time zone. So they also have that kind of partner to swap assignments with, to compare, to have that close-knit connection. Plus, we have the greater community of students going through it together. So there's a whole momentum that forms with it. And we don't we don't let people drop out. Like, we really want our students to succeed. So if something comes up in someone's life, you know, we're all adults and there's a huge human component. And so we want to work with them to figure out how we can best support their success in this. Because it is a big investment and it's a big time commitment. But ultimately, whatever it was that drove them to enroll and be part of this, that doesn't just go away. And so we really aim for their success. Awesome. And are the people who sign up for this primarily people who want to work in the field or people who want to use the skills to feed themselves and their families? Well, it's interesting because when I first created it, the idea was that everyone would want to work, that they would want to create businesses and do all that. But not everyone <laughs> wants to create a business. Not everyone should create a business. I don't know if I would if I were starting over. I probably would because I think I'm unemployable at this point. So we have students who do it, and I always ask too, and it's usually a 50-50 split. So there's a lot of people who do it for personal interest, or at least who come into it thinking it's just for personal interest for themselves, their families. But it's amazing how quickly little side businesses might form, even though it's on a volunteer basis. But there's such a desire to share what they learn that it ends up infiltrating more than just their home kitchen. And then we do have a lot of graduates who start incredible businesses whether it's cookbook writing or meal plan development or product development. Um, we have one couple of students, a pair, they did it. One did it, they were best friends. One person did the program in 2014. Her friend came back in 2015 to do it and they launched this product. It's now available in Whole Foods stores and Sprouts markets across North America. So we have people doing 
all kinds of creative things with what they learned that I could never have imagined. Like it was outside of what I knew how to do in terms of applying what they learned. So that's been a really incredible thing to witness and see how just from this 14 weeks, people are actually able to kickstart businesses. We also get a lot of people from the healthcare field. So physicians, nurse practitioners, dietitians, pharmacists who recognize a lack in the nutrition training they're receiving in their, whether it's their medical training or whatever their training is, and that this is so critical right now for people's health to just know how to best feed themselves breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which, you know, it happens every day, three times a day. So we do have a lot of people from the healthcare field who also take the program to add to their practice. Also, and do people fail out of the program? I mean, if someone fails out of the program, they really don't want to do it. So so if an assignment isn't handed in, like their coach is going to email them a few times, might even call them, just make sure they're okay and see where it's at. And sometimes there is the student that just stops responding. And we have alternate deadline options if needed. And and we really want to make sure that we're giving them every opportunity to see it through. And if they don't, they can also do it again the next year. There's an upgrade fee if they want to give it another try. Megan, I'm curious about how the assignments work. You know, you joked earlier that it would be great if people could send you cookies in the mail, which obviously is impractical, but that impracticality could be seen as a challenge for you. I mean, you're teaching people how to cook. How do you evaluate that without tasting, touching, smelling what they have cooked? Well, someone did actually once send me cookies and they were delicious and I appreciated it. They lived close by. They got an A. They got an A. So what we do, and it's interesting because we're also dealing with as you would with any online program, people from around the world. So we have people in Kuwait and Abu Dhabi and Egypt, and then we have people in Malaysia and Singapore, and we have people in Australia and New Zealand, and then across North America and across Europe and across different parts of Asia. So how do they all even get the same ingredients available at the same time? Like there are a lot of logistical things we've had to account for. And what happens in that case is that they'll work with their program coach to find suitable alternatives. So that coach plays a really important role in helping actually coach them. But with the recipe assignments, for example, we ask that they take photos of the process and the finished product and then write a little critique, what they liked, what they didn't like, and what they would change next time. And we ask that they follow the recipes as they are written. As far as the written assignments, it's really interesting because they start by just doing a basic information package about a condition, and then they do a customized recipe for that condition. And then with their program buddy, they swap recipes. So then they're learning this recipe testing. And so they're getting that real life feedback and experience without needing to be in a commercial kitchen together, cooking together. It's as close as we could get to that real thing with something that is a very tactile and sense-oriented practice. What's interesting is that when I used to teach this in person, and I would teach the same recipes over and over again, every time someone different made something, it always tasted and looked a little bit different. And I think that's part of just the beauty of what we do with cooking, that it is a very personal thing that Even following the recipe to a T, there'll be a different interpretation of it. And so that's just part of what we do in having people cook and learn and share. And everyone posts their photos into our group of what they made. And everyone does their own version of the presentation of it. And so it's really just this creative expression. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about how you market the course? I mean, you have this big enrollment every year. Where do all these people come from? How do they find you? That's a great question. We have really active social media feeds. Food really lends itself well to things like Pinterest and Instagram. We also have a wonderful affiliate program. So all of our graduates are invited to be affiliates of the program and champion the course and share their experience. We encourage them to write their own blog posts about it so they can use their links there, 
share their own reviews, we will happily share their reviews. I would rather pay out affiliate commissions and be pouring money into Google ads and Facebook ads and all that stuff. So this year for the first time, we do have a budget and we are doing Facebook and Instagram ads to say moderate success. I feel like it's one of those things like the more money you funnel into it once you figured it out, the better it can be. But I'm still reluctant to go that route just because the organic nature of people finding us and and joining us has worked so well in terms of finding people who are ready and wanting to be part of what we're creating that they're not coming in fully cold. The other key thing that I do is a monthly program information session during our enrollment period. So it's not a webinar, like a sales pitch disguised as a webinar. Like it's actually just about the program and we have incredible conversions. Anywhere in the 40 to 50% conversion rate for people who show up to those information sessions will enroll in the program within about three to four weeks of being part of that session. And it's an hour long and I go through the details of the program. I answer questions. If anyone enrolls live during an information session, I get out of my chair and I dedicate a dance to them. I'm not a dancer. And so there's usually just a lot of fun that happens. I did one earlier this week and one of the students who just enrolled and I'm dancing for her and then she got up and was dancing with me. So we have cameras on for the presentation of this. And so there's just a lot of fun and a lot of joy and a lot of enthusiasm around it. And so that's kind of our marketing strategy is really building in those relationships and that connection. So what's what's next? It seems like you've come so far, but I'm sure you're cooking up other ideas for improvements in the program. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Sorry. No, I know. We're, we're, we're always cooking up fresh ideas. Well, I'm looking to actually withdraw. So this is, <laughs> I'm leaving the company. No, I've announced that this is my final year as the lead instructor of this program. And so we're kind of exploring other options, looking at, you know, what the food scene is and what's needed moving forward into the future, the next five to 10 years. And so we're looking at building in um, some different core resources, bringing in different instructors with different areas of specialty and different backgrounds so that I can run the business without having to constantly also be the face of it, which I'm finding a little bit more challenging with, you know, I have a young child and I don't work as much as I used to by choice. And so we're just kind of looking at how we restructure it and how we keep it really current and really relevant with what people are needing in their lives as, you know, so much has changed in recent years. Very cool. That was fantastic. Is there anything that you want to say or put on the table that maybe we didn't ask, but we should have? Um, nothing stands out. Is there anything that you feel would be of value? Like I'm an open book, so. I think this was super valuable. I'm really excited to publish the episode. Great. Great. Awesome. Abe, do you want to do the readout? Megan Telpner is the founder of the Culinary Nutrition Academy as well as the best-selling author of her Undiet books. You can find out more about her and the upcoming certification course at culinarynutrition.com. That's culinarynutrition.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, I have so many notes. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, I guess maybe a way to, to frame the thinking about Megan's work is, you know, something you've often talked about, Danny, which is the value of raising the bar in creating courses. And it seems like that's what Megan has, has done here. She's entered an area that 
you know, it, it's not like she created the field of cooking, right? Or even the field of how cooking relates to your health and wellness. Many other people, you know, spoke and delivered expertise on this topic and wrote books about it and, and started to create courses on it. But what she's created with this academy and this really in-depth certification course has dramatically raised the bar in terms of the quality and structure of the content, and especially in terms of the support that they give to their participants to really lead them to meaningful outcomes in terms of either having a transformative effect on how they cook at home or on actually being able to start their own nutrition business. So just a nice example of how there's room, I think, in pretty much any area to create a, a course that goes to the next level in terms of what it can do for clients. Yeah, I think it's Wayne Dyer who said that it's never crowded along the extra mile. And, you know, that's really, I think, instructive here. I mean, this is an incredibly saturated and crowded niche where there's a ton of free information and cheap information. And yet Megan is thriving with a very premium program, right? Ranging from $2,200 for the the honorary or the audit level. So you're not even getting a certification all the way up to $6,000. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people are signing up. So it really goes to, if you're willing to go that extra mile and do that extra level of work to make it great, there's opportunity even in the most crowded space. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think what's often underrecognized is that going that extra mile is not necessarily about just creating fancier content, right? It's it's not going from the videos or other content you have today to just making them super polished and, and fancy. You know, that could be a nice element of making things look professional for your participants, but that's not what was game-changing for, for Megan's program. It was the close attention to where did people really need support to help them learn this in-depth and challenging material and structuring a, a program that could you know, lead to very high success rates, even though they're asking people to learn and do a lot. And it was being thoughtful about what is actually included in the program. That's something that we talk about all the time, but that seems to be you know, under-recognized by so many course creators that more is not more, right? That just adding more content or more material into a program not only does not make it more valuable, it can even confuse and overwhelm your participants. And so many of the most effective courses, the ones that have great success rates and outcomes, have actually succeeded because of subtraction, of streamlining the program until the minimal amount of information needed to scaffold action by the participants is in place. Something I also really appreciated that was a bit of a through line was a very adaptable, resourceful, creative attitude of, you know, not looking at something and say, can we do this, which is kind of a yes, no, and then it would be hard, right? You know, can we grade people's work and evaluate their work when we're talking about them cooking from a distance online? Can we make this relevant and effective to people in all kinds of different regions in the world where groceries and shopping and cooking are different, right? If you just pose it as can we, it can kind of lock you into a corner, but instead approaching it with a, a much more open, creative, optimistic, resourceful stance of how might we has led them to some really interesting and creative solutions from kind of the hybrid format of people doing the work and submitting their assignments and being able to do that remotely, even with something like cooking with photos and with written assignments to getting feedback 
from the coaches, which builds in accountability as well. To I, I really like the way that essentially the course gets localized on a one-on-one basis with students by their coaches in terms of how do you adapt your grocery list based on what's available in your part of the world. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a helpful tool for people. Another way I've heard of framing that question is, you know, what would it look like if we were to do X, Y, or Z? And then, of course, there's, I mean, there's no need for us to rehash it because this was like half the conversation, but all the different ways that Megan has tweaked the dials to build accountability in a really effective way into the program. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a study in applying accountability effectively for sure. All right, that's all I got. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches, Making It, and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Gufferson assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Megan Teltner for coming onto the show today. You can check out everything she's got to offer over at culinarynutrition.com. To make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a star review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate this. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Do you have any questions before we jump in? Are you going to be asking about my microphone brand in this interview? Because Probably not. Okay, good. Then we're fine. All right. Are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show 
is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.